Yahtzee takeover. That's a, <laughs> that's it's a lot different, Grandma. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> I'm not afraid of Aunt Nancy anymore. Oh, so <laughs> let's go to Olive Garden. Always a good move. Grandma always wants to go to Olive Garden. <laughs> you want to go to Melting Pot instead? Who wants to melt a perfectly good pot? <laughs> Never mind, Grandma. Oh, Grandma. Welcome to Screen Fix, the show where we will fix a recent film. <laughs> I am host JC, and with me, as always, is the co-host that carries the show. It is Lady Wan. Lady Wan, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I heard that you like video games. I've never heard this before. I, I heard this recently. You play them. I have a, a handful of games that I enjoy. Do you like do you like first person shooters? Yes, I like first person shooters that are theatrical in nature. <laughs> Hold on, what is a theatrical first person shooter? Explain this. I like a good backstory. I want to know why I'm shooting at people. <laughs> <laughs> like it's important for me to understand my character's motivation. <laughs> You're... It's really important to me. Wow. Gamer Lady One, this is an interesting development. Did not know this. Just a little. I like the Red Dead games and I like LA Noir. The movie that we're fixing this week. Did you feel like it was a little bit video gamey or what? A lot video gamey. Big time. In what way? It felt like it had cutscenes. It felt <laughs> like the musical cues were like, hey, this is an important thing you're looking at. Just like when you're playing the game and the controller starts to shake a little, and it's important that you know that, like, oh, you found something. <laughs> like my chair, my chair didn't shake. It was a little weird. I was like, no, I think that's important. Why didn't anything yeah. vibrate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All important things vibrate. Yeah, that's what I've learned from video games. <laughs> <laughs> but it very much felt. Like something we've all played before, right? Yeah, for sure. In this game, movie, the first R-rated movie ever to come from Bad Robot Overlord. Now is it time for the trailer? Yeah, trailer. <laughs> Three months ago, I was cutting grass in my front yard. And the mailman shows up with a letter from the army. Now I'm here. No idea where I'm going to end up. Welcome to France. What happened here? Some questions don't have good answers. There's a lot of soldiers out there. There's only four of us. Find out what's inside that compound. What is this? A thousand-year army. These thousand-year soldiers. Those people. They have been 
Okay, so Overlord was produced by J.J. Abrams. It is apparently not a Cloverfield movie. There's a lot of speculation about whether or not it was going to be a Cloverfield movie. And it's because it kind of came to life just like other Cloverfield movies did. It was kind of under the radar. It was low budget. It used a little known up and coming director. Also Lindsay Weber, who previously was a producer on 10 Cloverfield Lane and the Cloverfield Paradox was a producer of this as well. So it every everything was kind of lining up for this to be a Cloverfield movie. But they say it's not. They say it's not connected at all. But after Cloverfield Paradox, everything is a different dimension. Mm-hmm. Who, knows? who knows? There was no Cloverfield Monsters, but who knows? Maybe uh, our main character, played by Jovan Adepo. Voice. Is uh, Boyce our main character from Cloverfield Paradox's uh, great-great-grandpa or what? Huh? You think? I mean, probably not because she was British, but maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just trying to force Cloverfield in like every other YouTube video. Yeah, same as J.J. Abrams. (laughs) Cramming it in. Don't forget, this podcast has a feud with J.J. Abrams. He doesn't know it, but one day he's going to find out. (laughs) We'll be face to face with that son of a bitch. (laughs) So, anywho, not a Cloverfield movie. We can't even try to make it one. Nope. But this movie was brought to you by the director of Call of Duty Nazi Zombies Mode. That was not. It was directed by Julius Avery, who is an Australian director. He did a few award-winning short films, including one that won the Cannes Jury Prize called Jerry Can in 2008. He also did 2012's Yardbird, which was nominated for the Palme d'Or at Cannes. And then in 2014, he did his first feature, which was a crime thriller film called Son of a Gun. It starred Ewan McGregor, Bretton Thwaites, uh, Alicia Vikander, and that got a release from A24. So... And that movie, too, that was nominated for Best Film at the London Film Festival. So definitely an up-and-coming talent, and J.J. Abrams nabbed him up. Are you happy that he didn't put the Cloverfield stank on him? I think it's for the best. I don't like this forced Cloverfield nonsense. It's annoying. It it doesn't have a purpose. Stop making everything Cloverfield. You know, he didn't this time, so plus five. If J.J. Abrams ever produces a movie about a dog, I'm going to call it Roverfield. Yay! (sighs) I'll let that one go. <laughs> so our main character in this one, uh, Boyce, is played by an actor, Jovan Adepo. He is an English-born American actor, probably best known for being on the HBO series The Leftovers. Uh, he also played oh. Corey Maxson in the film adaptation of the play Fences. That was the one with Denzel Washington. And then I guess the other really notable person in the film is Wyatt Russell. This is, of course, the son of Kurt and Goldie. This is Kurt Russell's son, and he bears a striking resemblance to uh, his father. It's funny, I I recognize, I was like, who, why do I know that guy? And I realized that I recognized him from a movie I saw at a film festival called Folk Hero and Funny Guy. That movie is him and Alex Karpofsky. Uh, He plays this folk singer who lets his comedian friend open for him on his tour. Jason? What if you come on tour with me? You want me to open up for your band? So what is up with e-bikes? It's a nice little movie if you want a little bit more Wyatt Russell. But anyway, did you see a lot of Kurt in Wyatt? Who's sexier, Lady One? Which one of these guys, if they made eye contact with you in a bar, would make your bra inexplicably unsnap like magic? What? Whoa. I'm going to go with vintage Kurt Russell, not like old man ego Kurt Russell. 
Okay, so vintage Kurt Russell, you yeah. think, has more of that uh, sexy energy than uh, Wyatt. Correct. Come to daddy. <laughs> and the female actress in this film was played by Matilda Olivier. Did you enjoy her? She wasn't annoying. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have strong opinions about anybody in this movie, apparently. I don't have a strong opinion on this movie, period. It made me so anxious. Okay, it does do anxious well. We'll get into that in a minute. I'm anxious to hear... <laughs> What uh, Lady Wan's fresh hot stats are. <laughs> okay, so this movie opened November 9th to $10 million at the U.S. box office. It came in third. Do you know the budget for this one? Yeah, uh, $38 million. 38 and it made 10. 10 U.S., uh, 9 foreign. So it made 19 the first weekend, and it cost 38 I don't think there's a lot of longevity with this one, so this one could be... A loss or it could break even like it's definitely not going to be a hit or make anyone any money i think it might break even but i feel like it came out just a little bit too late yeah this feels like a halloween movie yeah because right? this is kind of like a haunted house haunted lab type of movie right yeah i mean it's realistically it's a horror movie it's just a historical yes. fiction horror movie so come on man one week earlier you could have hit halloween what are you doing yeah, it's like The Nun came out too early and this one came out too late. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to compete with that movie actually called Halloween, <laughs> which we fix on this program. Please check it out. Episode 51. <clears throat> um, <laughs> <laughs> we should always be plugging in the middle of the episode. Check out the Screen Fix catalog. All right. So what kind of reviews was this film getting? Did the critics like it? Did the audiences like it? Lay those stats on us. Lady Wan, go. This movie is getting damn good reviews. It's 81% fresh, according to critics, and Whoa. audiences are at 76%. Okay. That's really good. Uh, are you in line with that? That's complicated because <laughs> I don't like being scared. I don't like war movies. I don't- Oh my gosh, it was like a double whammy <laughs> I know, you. it really was. <laughs> I was on my way to see this movie, and I turned to Mr. Lady One, and I go- I really don't want to see this. And he was like, oh, <laughs> he was so excited to see it. And he's like, I, um, sorry, <laughs> like, let's do this. You know, podcast duty calls. But no, it was good. It just was not my kind of movie, but it was good. That's good. Let's move right into something that we do before we just start fixing. We know that a lot of people work on movies. We're not just here to be like, I didn't like this. They could do this better. What's something that you liked about this movie, Lady Wan? The entire opening scene. Yeah, the opening sequence was fantastic. It was and I so cool. saw uh, an interview with Joven where he talks about how they filmed that. They had me suspended, um, I want to say maybe like 50 or 60 feet in the, the little rig that they had. And it was just like a gyrating machine, basically, that would just spin me around a bunch of different ways. And they just had a camera connected and would just spin me until I got dizzy and just couldn't take it anymore. But... I mean, it was a lot of fun. Like the entire sequence took about a week and a half to shoot. And there's so many moving parts, but everybody was committed to it. All the guys that were on the plane with us were all committed to making a great scene. And I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of the final product for sure. It's awesome. Very intense. And yeah, that whole opening sequence kind of gripped you and got you right into the movie from the get-go, no? 
Yeah, it was really good because it was so intense and there's there's a lot of heavy lifting that opening scene has to do. It has to set up the entire movie in an airplane, like while it's loud and ridiculous. And yet it manages to do all of that. It sets the mood, but it also explains what is about to happen for the rest of the movie. It also gives you Bokeem Woodbine for, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It was a great scene. I was like, hey, what's up, Bokeem? It was awesome. What did you like about this movie? I enjoyed the look of the film, too. Uh, some of these war movies can be kind of uh, uh, drab looking. Mm-hmm. And I thought this one was very vibrant, visceral. So I enjoyed that. So with that out of the way, before we just start fixing, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to lay a little bit of the plot on you. This is from the movie spoiler.com. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do the short version brought to us by Movie Pooper. <laughs> Wiping away the excess. So here's the description. Near the end of World War II, this is uh, during Operation Overlord, which was the D-Day landing, a team of paratroopers are sent to take down a Nazi radio tower located in an old church in a French town. This is to aid in the uh, invasion. Their plane is shot down. There's a bunch of anti-aircraft fire. And on the plane, we do meet their sergeant, Sergeant Eldson, which is played by Bokeem Woodbine, Corporal Ford, who is an explosives expert that's been brought on, Private Ed Boyce, that is played by Jova Nadepo. That's our main character. It is his first mission. He was apparently cutting his grass not too long ago. We also meet Tibbet, Chase, and Dawson, and those are the rest of our characters. And Rosenfeld. And Rosenfeld, who is our Jewish soldier. Hope nothing goes wrong. We just are dropping land in the middle of a German squad or something. Nothing's going to go wrong. Because we both know what the Nazis are going to do to a guy named Rosenfeld. Nothing's going to go wrong. When they all land, Sergeant Eldson is killed. They witness him being killed, which puts Corporal Ford, Wyatt Russell, in charge. And they're going to go carry out this mission. So... They make their way to the French town, and there they meet a woman named Chloe, who brings them to her home to hide them from German soldiers. The Nazi captain, who is in charge of the radio tower located in the church, visits Chloe, and he is basically extorting her for sex, we find out. But the soldiers come to her rescue, and he is tied up and tortured for info. We find out that Corporal Ford is a man not to be messed with. It's a bit brutal. So Boyce is sent out by Ford to locate the tower, and he ends up discovering a lab beneath the church where the tower is located, where there is a Nazi doctor named Schmidt, and he's conducting experiments to reanimate the dead. Boyd sees horrific things like a a, a woman's head with no body that's mm. saying, S'il vous plaît, s'il vous plaît. So creepy. S'il vous plaît, croissant. <laughs> <laughs> While Boyce is there witnessing all this horrific stuff, he rescues Rosenfeld from the airplane. Apparently, he was captured and brought there. He's got this big tube in his stomach. It's so um, gross. Yeah, and he also brings back a sample of the serum. What happened then? Inside the church. Crowds grabbed me as soon as I hit the ground. Inside the church? How did you get inside the church? Dead bodies. What? Slow down. Slow down. They're doing experiments on them in there. They're doing experiments on the villagers. What? Just like her aunt. Burning people with these flamethrowers and they're still moving the bodies. Cocoon things in there. Did you get eyes on the tower compound? She doesn't have a body and she's still she's still talking and I, I saw Rosenfeld. Voice! Did you get eyes on the tower compound? The 
The tower base is below the ground. But there's more than that down here, okay? When he gets back, for some reason, they're all going to go to the church now, and they send the photographer of the group, Chase, to go and bring the beaten up Nazi captain down. I have no idea why they send the guy who's just there to take pictures to get this to get this crazy Nazi captain. But anyway, of course, the Nazi captain kills him. The Nazi captain's name is Waffner, by the way. But Boyce hits Chase with the serum, and Chase suddenly sits up in this crazy scene. He says he feels great. He's like putting his finger in his own wounds, like he can't feel anything. But then he gets up and he freaks out and like cracks his own neck, and they end up having to kill him. Chase, how do you feel? I feel really good. Uh, holy Christ. What are you doing But during all that, Waffner, the Nazi captain, runs out. He grabs Chloe's brother, Paul, and runs out to the, to the church lab. While Waffner's escaping, he gets shot in the face, and our soldiers decide they're going to go blow it up, but Boyce insists we can't just leave all that crazy stuff I saw down there. Let's go kill two birds with one stone. When they get to the lab, Waffner is there. He injects himself with the serum. He injects himself with, like, double serum and turns into this crazy movie pooper says an inhuman abomination and i would agree with that i suppose pretty gross basically he's like a really messed up version (laughs) of like captain america it's like the nazi version chloe goes with them she manages to rescue her brother and the rest of the crew take out the german soldiers boyce kills schmidt while waffner almost kills ford he puts ford on a meat hook and lets him hang there. And Ford decides to give himself serum. So he gets super serum, pulls himself off of the hook, has a super fight with Waffner. Uh, But when he wins the fight, he decides he needs to stay behind and detonate the explosives to destroy the tower and destroy himself because he doesn't need, he doesn't want any of this serum and any of this crazy super soldier weirdness to get out. So basically at the end of the movie, Bush reports to the his superior officers that the tower was destroyed and they ask him if he saw anything else because there had been whispers of a lab and he says no just saw a radio tower sorry dudes don't know what to tell you and that is the that's overlord yep so without further ado what do you say we fix this movie okay what what was that i don't know let's do it podcast All right, Lady One, why don't you give us your first fix? So when the American soldiers come back to Chloe's house in the village, she says that the only people who live in her house now are her little brother, who's like eight, and her aunt, who is super, super sick. You never really see much of her. Just like weird sounds. Yeah, she's like hacking up a lung in her room, making like the grossest noises. She's got one jump scare. Yeah, she's one jump scare, (laughs) but like a lot of moaning. So- I mean, you know, we're watching this and we we see that she's been experimented on like and uh, Waffner even says to Chloe at one point, like, do you want us to deal with your brother the way we dealt with your aunt? Like, unless you're going to have have me stay at your place right now, that's what we're going to do. It's very much implied that it's six. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, that's what he's getting at. He, like, doesn't just need, like, a nap. Yeah. So we understand that the ant has been experimented on, and we never see her other than our one jump scare. When 
Waffner is running away with Paul and the soldiers are chasing after him, they tell, he tells the other officers to go upstairs and, quote, take care of the aunt. And then when Chloe's running away, we just see, like, pops in the window and we're to understand that they killed her. And that's the end of the aunt. There's nothing. She, like, never does anything. She just, like, coughs a lot and moans a lot in the other room and scares us once through the door. That's not good enough for me. So when Waffner grabs Paul and takes off, that's when Chloe freaks out. Like, obviously, she wants to get her brother back. And I want to fix this movie so that at that moment, at the moment where Chloe is screaming out for her little brother and our big, bad, evil Bobo Michael Shannon guy (laughs) has taken the kid and is running away, I want the aunt to, like, bust out of her room upstairs and come charging down to go get him because there is still something left of the ant inside that rage zombie beast that they've turned her into and she still wants Mm -hmm. to protect her nephew and her niece and she still wants to protect her family and she rushes out and she can chase after them and attack the other Nazi soldiers while they're trying to get away and it adds an extra element of chaos to the point where Ford is shooting at the captain and then now we've got a zombie out in the daylight like in the village where we haven't seen one before and i think that would be a lot more exciting and a lot cooler for the ant and you know how the guy our bad nazi captain gets uh shot in the face maybe instead he gets his face chewed a little bit by the ant oh gross. yeah maybe that's how his face gets messed up yeah she takes a bite out of his head bites his face like a piece of strudel <laughs> <laughs> so goofy <laughs> What's your first fix, JC? Okay. Okay. All right. It's Bad Robot's first rated R movie, and I thought it wasn't rated R enough. I know that sounds weird. You were looking for boobs. I mean, (laughs) I wouldn't turn down a boob. You wanted the zombie ant boobs? I'll take (laughs) it. If it's still got shapeliness. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But anyway, I didn't really want boob. My word does have a B and two O's, though. I wanted more blood. I wanted more. uh, Let's just put it this way. I wanted it to be more effed up. Let's just say that. It started to get there for a second, and then I feel like it backed off, right? Yeah, like the movie kind of turned into almost like a Marvel thing, like Wyatt Russell just became the good guy super zombie version of the bad guy, Nazi super zombie, and they had a super-powered fight. Where no one can die. Yeah, nobody really dies, and everyone is like super invincible, and uh, they have to kill themselves and stuff like that. But I wanted them to be... Not just trying to create the perfect human, like these superhuman things. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a little too like comic book. Mm-hmm. The Nazis were very interested in the super race, the master race. So I figured that, and by master race, they were choosing like old Norse and old Germanic history and an old Germanic, old Norse lineage. So I thought they should have made these quote-unquote zombies into those old unruly warriors of norse legend the berserkers <laughs> come on man berserker is he singing english or russian in english come on berserker girls think sexy i'll watch what he's gonna sing and watch it's too funny my love for you is like a truck berserker would you like some making fuck bells? That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? <laughs> so, you know, the berserkers were like the shock and awe troops 
of uh medieval medieval times um super savage of course they wore animal skin clothing uh they even say that that might be where the werewolf legend came from in europe but i think they were trying to make berserker warriors because they're so interested and preoccupied with that germanic history that norse history so instead of turning people into like the perfect superhuman i think they're they just trying to turn them into like kind of like berserk savages that they could unleash Mm-hmm. So I thought they should have taken this berserker thing and I wanted some of our berserker unit. They're making like a berserker unit mm-hmm. because berserkers in the old Norse uh, legends were also used as uh, bodyguards of, of noble courts and stuff. So maybe this is going to be like an elite berserker unit for Hitler. But I wanted part of this berserker unit to include Chloe's parents. Ooh. Which uh, in the movie, Chloe just tells us that her parents were shot by Nazis. Mm -hmm. But I would rather that Chloe's parents are turned into berserker zombies. I want to see her brother that gets kidnapped turn into a berserker zombie. Ah, like a little kid? Yeah, I want the people that they have to kill, these zombies that they have to kill, these berserkers that they have to kill, to be people that we know. People that give our main characters a lot of moral conflict. Ooh, and where dark. it's it's really messed up that they have to kill them. Maybe the kid is like some crazy berserker and he's like bashing people with his little with his baseball that he has been, you know, carrying around for the whole movie. Maybe he's like a really messed up zombie version of Ness from Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> okay. Perhaps even at the end they have to kill Wyatt Russell, Ford. I thought that would have been a more interesting turn for our experimented on gross zombie zombie human zombie humanoids (laughs) (laughs) do you have a second fix lady one i do so as you mentioned uh rosenfeld is one of our soldiers who starts off on the plane for this paratrooping mission he even makes a comment like oh what would the nazis do if they got a hold of me and he says this you know just because Nazis are fucked up. He doesn't even know about the shit that's going down in this movie. So he gets lost during the mission and Boyce has to rescue him from the lab. And he has this big, giant, gross needle like all in his guts. Like at that point in the movie, I thought it was going to get like really like disgusting, like human centipede style, like blood and guts and like just graphic nastiness. Like pus flying. Yeah, I was I was getting ready to feel nauseous. And it really kind of backed off of that really quick. He just like pulls the giant needle out and then he like, scoops him up and they run off and then rosenfeld is fine like he's fine now he recovers quickly (laughs) he just changes his clothes and he's no biggie no biggie like there's a a needle like the size of like a human femur like into his gut (laughs) and he is just he's totally fine now um it was like a turkey baster (laughs) had been shoved into his into his side it was a lot and I kept waiting for something to happen with him. Like, why is he fine? What did they do to him? That, like, Boyce just grabs the guy he knows and runs out of there. Like, oh, you know, I was thinking, well, he's just accidentally pulled a zombie out of that lab and he doesn't know. Right? It. Like, he's seeing all that messed up stuff yeah. and he sees his friend with a tube in him. I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> be like, you're one of those. I'm out of so here. So sorry, man. I will tell your parents, like, I got to go. <laughs> like it's <laughs> i'll write your parents yeah, I'll, bye yeah it's over like 
But he he grabs him, he pulls him out, he rescues him. And then Rosenfeld is part of the mission that succeeds at the end. He and so he and Tibbet are the ones who are shooting at all of the Nazi guards protecting this radio tower and lab. Yeah, and, they're the like uh, diversion. Mm hmm. For the rest of them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to take out as many soldiers as possible and get all of the attention up to the gate instead of realizing that Boyce and Ford are in there to bring the whole thing down. And Roosevelt even says, like, I'm operating a two-man gun, like, because Tibbet's kind of giving him a hard time. But, yeah. like, he legitimately is. He's operating, like, a two-man machine gun by himself. Mm -hmm. He's fine. And I feel like, I don't know if they scrapped the idea or, like, I'm just overthinking it. But I thought that the serum should have actually helped him. That's why he's fine. It's, it's not just like, oh, it wasn't that big of an injury. Like, no, they, they started pumping stuff into him. And instead of making him like a rage zombie like it did to everybody else, they actually gave him like super strength. And he's got like better vision now. He can aim and like hit more soldiers when he's up there. And they have accidentally created a super soldier who just happens to be Jewish. That's what the Nazis have done in this experiment. And I want them to realize that this is happening in the movie. And then at the end, not only do we have someone who's made it out of this facility with the serum in them. So who knows what's going to happen now that somebody has survived this with it in them. But Boyce also knows. And when he tells his commanding officer, like, no, sir, there's nothing to see down there. He is actually making a choice because there is actually good that could come from that it saved his life and instead of it just being like oh yeah i'm not going to tell anyone about the poison rage juice down there like that's not an, a moral <laughs> decision he was making by being like no nah, nothing to see there wait they've got four loco down there <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> they're just injecting them with so four ridiculous. loco so so ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, no, that's an awesome fix. I would have loved if they had just finished what they started and it was revealed that the Nazis had ironically made a Superman out of a Jewish person. And it also leaves more of a conflict about the discovery that they've made. Is It's not inherently an evil creation. It could actually have a good purpose. It could actually save soldiers' lives in the field if they've been injured. But they're making the choice that it's not worth it for the risk of what it could be used for. Rosenthal. He's able to jump 50 bagels in one leap. Is that high? I don't know. <laughs> What's your fix, JC? Come on. Okay, so this movie was a little too straightforward for me. Mm -hmm. They land. They need to get to this church. There's a lab underneath. They blow it up. There's not a lot of twists and turns in this thing. I thought that that's exactly what this movie needed. It needed a couple twists, a couple times for me in the movie to go, holy shit, what? <laughs> I'm still that guy. <laughs> holy shit, what? <laughs> Instead of making the film so uh, inglorious bastards, this French girl is our Shoshana. Shoshana! being pursued by a disgusting Nazi guy. I want there to be a twist where she has actually been the middleman who's been providing human zombie fodder for the colonel. I know this is very different. I know that this changes the whole movie. Oh. And I still like the other fixes. <laughs> I'm just throwing this one out there as like a possible twist in case they wanted to do something different. So 
Maybe our heroes misconstrue the Nazis' advances on our French girl as unwanted. But our colonel and Chloe are in cahoots. She basically has been luring people in and delivering them to the Nazis. That's fucked up. (laughs) She ends up delivering our soldiers right into his hands. And instead, they have to escape from this church slash lab facility. But I have another twist. What? So in the first invasion of her town, she loses her parents. Yeah. She goes to deliver these soldiers and she discovers that this colonel has also turned her parents into zombies when this colonel has told her that he did not. So she flips again, and the final fight also includes Chloe. She's back on the good side. I still want her to get shot and killed because she was a terrible person as the middleman. But I wanted a twist, and I thought maybe the twist could come in the form of Chloe delivering people to the colonel who looks like a mix of Michael Shannon and Daniel Bruhl. (laughs) He's kind of handsome. She likes it. Eh, He's not that handsome. Do you have a final thought, Lady One? I do. So we talked about how this game... (laughs) No. (laughs) We talked about how this movie feels a lot like a video game. Yes. The last real action sequence where Boyce is running out of the lab slash radio tower slash church where everything has been going down and he's like running out of different hallways and twists and turns with like explosions coming behind him. Crazy awesome sequence. Felt super like a video game. But I mean that like in a good way i was riveted the whole time i was like oh my god like he's not gonna make it like there's so many explosions and it just keeps coming and coming and coming and it was just a really really cool shot and i thought that was an awesome way to end it like in the game you have to dodge the barrel perfectly you have to jump over the crate perfectly you have got to make the turn at just the right time (laughs) yeah you've got to like go left but then go right and you you've just got to like totally nail the timing otherwise it's just like failed and then you have to like run it again you have to get to the doors and tap x as fast as you can to get him to turn the lever to open mm-hmm. the big doors yeah. bash that door yeah. down yeah i see it yeah but it was awesome oh yeah i also like uncharted those video games those are good too i forgot about them. felt like one of those you don't have to leave that in <laughs> <laughs> my final thought it, perhaps they should have just made this loosely connected to Cloverfield and just let Netflix buy it. Netflix bought the rights to Cloverfield Paradox for fifty million. So if they would have bought this also for fifty million, this movie would have made its money back. And right now I'm not sure that it's going to. Yeah. That's crazy. So maybe these smaller Abrams movies just need to go there and just be called Cloverfield. Yeah, why not? So without further ado, I guess we should consider Overlord Screen I want you send us home, Lady One. If you'd like to reach us here at the show, you can send an email to screenfixpod at gmail.com or you can tweet us or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at ScreenFixPod. You can listen to the show on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Libsyn, or Apple Podcasts. And we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. And also, tell a friend if you're enjoying the show. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate to the show, be part of the show. And we also have hopes of using that money to open a one-screen theater to be the home of podcasting and film festivals and movie marathons and all kinds of fun stuff like that. And you can be a part of that, too. 
All right, so let's leave everyone off with a line in the clerk's <laughs> rendition of Berserker. <laughs> Why don't you give us one of those lines, Lady One? It's, my love for you is like a truck, Berserker. Would you like some making fuck Berserker? All right, I'm going to do the, se- the first part, Betty. <laughs> Sorry. My love for you is like a truck, Berserker. Would you like some making but Berserker? Would you like to suck my cock, Berserker? That's beautiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tune in next week when we will be fixing Juice Newton and the animals of Hogwarts. What What the hell is that shit? <gasps> Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Ah. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Bye, everybody. Bye.